What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. A couple things to talk about today. Manny Machado, one of the two megastars available, Bryce Harper being the other. But Manny Machado finally signs with the team, and it definitely wasn't a team that anybody expected to be serious contenders to land him, but they did. The San Diego Padres taking the first huge step to trying to become relevant again. So congratulations to the Padres, I guess. As long as he's not in the American League, I guess the Yankees don't have to deal with him anymore. Anthony Davis, his drama continues with what the Pelicans should do with him, whether they should sit him. You know, there's a whole NBA rule about against doing that. How Anthony Davis messed that up entirely for them. And of course, we'll just we'll recap All-Star Weekend and all the the festivities that took place there. And one very peculiar video of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in the tunnel talking together and uh, what someone decided that they were saying. It was kind of a, a captioned thing. And when you look at it, when you read Kyrie's lips and the words that they put there, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I don't know if it's real. Probably not real. Most definitely, actually, not real. But it is. It is pretty damn convincing. I'll give him. I'll give whoever edited that some credit. And then we'll wrap it up. A little college basketball preview with UNC Duke. It's probably one of the biggest games to happen so far this year. One of the most anticipated games to happen so far this year. So we'll start with the big signing. Some baseball with Manny Machado going to the San Diego Padres. Now obviously no one now no one thought that this was a real possibility to be completely honest. It started off with major market teams, you know, the the Phillies were interested, the Dodgers kind of were in the mix for a little bit, the Yankees more specifically were the big market team, the biggest big market team that were interested in Manny Machado. Everyone kind of assumed he'd be wearing pinstripes uh, in a couple months. And things never got really heated up. Baseball free agency the past few years has been very sketchy. Teams haven't been willing to go out there and just throw money at players. Uh, It's been very difficult. We saw last year a, a whole boat of players that were very good and deserved good contracts. Just it was a long wait for them to finally get offered something good. And that happened, it's happening now, even this uh, offseason with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Same thing's happening, even with megastars like them, who definitely deserve a lot of money. Teams just aren't necessarily willing to throw that long-term commitment, the kind of commitment that a 26-year-old superstar demands in baseball, which is 10 years, you know, 250-something million dollars. Manny Machado, however... Received a 10-year contract with worth $300 million. 10 years, $300 million, an opt-out option, player option, after the fifth year for Machado. It is the largest free agent contract in the history of sports. And that's what we call baseball money, baby. 10 years, $300 million for Manny Machado. And 
It, it, it's something. I think it's a sound investment. I think that fifth-year option is uh, a good choice for both Machado and the Padres. Um, when he opts out, he'll be 31 years old, which probably not in his prime anymore, but definitely still going to be very productive. Obviously, you know, guys like A-Rod and Jeter and Ortiz and everyone who is a Hall of Fame caliber player was productive going into their early 30s. It's not some type of downward spiral that you see when a player hits 30, 31 years old and even like football especially, there's barely there's barely anyone like that unless you're a quarterback. Um, it's very rare, but basketball even, guys, you see once they hit that 30, 31, 32-year mark, they start kind of declining in productivity unless you're, you know, LeBron James or Kobe or, again, one of those Hall of Fame caliber athletes. So Manny Machado definitely will still be productive. Um, I doubt he's going to get a contract if he opts out with the Padres after his fifth year at 31 years old. I doubt he'll get, you know, he'll leave the money on the table. So he'll probably opt in for that. But we'll see where the Padres are at. That being said, this is a, a crazy big move for the Padres. Right? They have been irrelevant for the better part of a decade now. And they've had a couple players come through very good, you know, a while back, a while back. They had Adrian Gonzalez and they've had a couple guys come through. They signed they've signed big free agents before. Remember they had that experiment with Justin Upton and Matt Kemp. That didn't really work out. Now they've set themselves up. They acquired a top five player in baseball. And they have a top five farm system in the entire MLB. They have very good young pitching coming up. They have the second best overall prospect right now in their shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr. So you think Manny will probably shift over to third base and then Tatis will come in when he's ready at shortstop. So you got a lot of good young talent coming through in the next year or two, maybe even three years. And more importantly, everybody that you have now, your entire starting lineup, one through eight, not including the pitcher. So one through eight, your entire starting lineup, all your position players, you have under contract minimum for the next four years. That's the minimum. So you have time to grow and to build. And now with Manny Machado there, might it might become a more popular free agent destination for upcoming free agents. And I don't know why it hasn't been. Obviously, if you go to California, the big teams there are the, the big team there is the Dodgers, right? You go to California, you want to play Los Angeles for the Dodgers. Even the Angels, to an extent, even though they have been lackluster, regardless of how they look on paper, which year in and year out, they look great on paper every single year, and they just they underperform all the time. Even with the best player in baseball on their team, it's difficult. Mike Trout puts does everything he can, but at the end of the day, the Angels just don't. They can't. Their roster can't sustain the long 162 game MLB season. It just doesn't work for them. I don't know why, but it doesn't. So you even have those two teams 
But now San Diego, I mean, I don't know, even the Giants to an extent, San Francisco, not as nice as Los Angeles or San Diego, no offense, as far as the the location and the the atmosphere, I don't know what it is. I mean, the Giants are, are a great franchise, but now especially Bruce Bochy just announced that he was retiring after this year, so that even makes it less appealing to upcoming free agents because you don't have an established, successful manager in Bruce Bochy there. Now, San Diego, you got Manny Machado there and a really good core of players. Next few years, best case scenario, you know, Padres back in the playoffs and they're competing. That's what you want. Hopefully, Manny Machado doesn't just disappear. I, I, I mean, he is a fantastic baseball player. He is great to watch. He puts up the numbers. He puts on a show. And he he's a great baseball player. And I don't want to see his talents just be overshadowed by the the mediocrity that has been the San Diego Padres for, you know, the past 10 years or so. And hopefully his career doesn't just, you know, disappear. I'd like to see him bring the Padres back into competitiveness, especially now in a division where the Cardinals, the Rockies, the Dodgers, all those teams are very good. The NL West is stacked. So if the Padres can now come and push up there, that is that is great. You have two of the best third basemen in baseball in the same division now with Nolan Arenado and Manny Machado. Now, this contract, obviously... Now, this contract with Manny Machado has doesn't just directly impact him. Ten years, three hundred million dollars for Manny Machado. That's a lot of num- That's a a lot of money. So now you got to swing it over to the other superstar free agent that's available, Bryce Harper. What do you think he's gonna get? Or what do you think he's gonna? His asking price just went up. Whatever it was, it just went up. If he was asking for eight years, two forty. He's asking for more now. I mean, he's you can't just see that and then not. It's the same thing that happened with the Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald thing. Aaron Donald got this massive contract, and Khalil Mack was like, okay, well, now I want that kind of money. The same, the same concept. When one superstar gets signed to a massive contract and another one is still available, he's going to want to either make the same or... Most likely, he'll make he'll want to make more. Now, Bryce Harper, a little different scenario. With Manny Machado, it was it was very weird where, you know, the Yankees didn't seem to be offering him anything, and then the White Sox kind of lowballed him, and then the Padres just came in and were like, "Here is all of our money," and Manny Machado said, "Okay, thank you," and just took the money. Bryce Harper, there hasn't been a whole lot of talks about it. Listen, there's one team that I would love to see go after Bryce Harper, and it's the New York Mets, but they won't because the Wilpons are cowards and won't allow Brody to spend that kind of money on Bryce Harper. Don't know why, but they should. And Brody's out here spewing nonsense about how he really likes his team, and if they go out and sign Bryce Harper, you know, they they want it. there's not going to be any room for other guys on the roster. And it's like, you don't worry about the other guys on the roster if you're trying to sign Bryce Harper. You don't. But we all know that it is not Brody's fault, okay? he If you gave him all the money in the world, I'm sure he'd go out there and try and sign Bryce Harper. There's no doubt in my mind. But when you got the Wilpons 
or Jeff Wilpon, more specifically, he won't allow this guy to go out and spend money. And it's a shame. It really is. Because I would love to see Bryce Harper in, in at City Field in New York. I think he would bring... Oh, my man. Oh, my God. He would bring so much money to the Mets. Uh, like, I know the Wilpon... Jeff Wilpon's worry about money. That's his whole shtick, is that... Or his whole problem has been that he isn't willing to spend the money on these big free agents. But anyway, the only team that seems to be fully invested in Bryce Harper and even willing to think about spending all that money on him is the Philadelphia Phillies. That's the the team that's been coming up for a while. Apparently, there's maybe a couple other dark horses in there. But the Phillies seem to be the the team out there right now. You know, for a while, with Manny Machado, it was the White Sox. The Yankees were always in the mix, but they it, there was never reports that they made an official offer. And then the White Sox were there, and they made a, a low-ball offer to him. And then the Padres, who were never really, at least as far as my memory serves, never really in the hunt for him, just came in and they just threw the bag at him. And they were like, and he was like, okay. Now that could happen with Bryce Harper. Uh, that remains to be seen. I have no idea. But it'll definitely have... Manny Machado's contract will definitely have ramifications on whatever negotiations Bryce Harper has going on right now. And Lord knows when Mike Trout becomes a free agent, he's going to get a billion dollars. Actually, I he will get he might get 10 years, 450 million dollars, I'm not kidding. Now, let's some other drama that is going on is Anthony Davis, of course, the, the saga continues with him, and I think he kind of screwed. He screwed over the Pelicans big time. I feel like, so he gets hurt a, a little over a week ago before the All Star break. He gets hurt and he leaves the stadium. Just leaves the he gets changed and he leaves the arena. Uh, the owner, the Pelicans owner, is absolutely furious. He ends up firing Dell Demps. Uh, and he wants to hire a new GM to kind of step in and deal with the Anthony Davis trade negotiations and the Pelicans' future beyond Anthony Davis. He felt like the Dell Demps era is was over, so he let him go. And then, and yeah, so they're looking to move forward with a different GM. Anthony Davis, however, the smart thing to do for both the Pelicans and Anthony Davis, the smartest thing to to do would have just to pull a Kawhi Leonard. That's what Anthony Davis should have done, and that's what the Pelicans should have wanted. Just Anthony Davis pull Kawhi Leonard. He got hurt. He left the arena. And as far as anyone else knows, that's it. He's hurt, and he's going to sit out the rest of the year. And no one says anything about it. Right? Kawhi Leonard, when he got hurt, uh, he end, it ended up being this whole big thing. He was misdiagnosed. People didn't believe he was misdiagnosed. He was just being a jerk. There was no videos of him at all. He pretty much dropped off the face of the planet until the NBA season ended. And he was just presumed to be hurt, even though it maybe he wasn't hurt or he was. 
And then there was a whole big thing how the Spurs misdiagnosed Danny Green. So it opened up the doors that maybe they did misdiagnose Kawhi Leonard. But I digress. Anthony Davis could have sat out the rest of the year with his his injury that he had, and it would have been it would have been over. That's it. He comes back in the summer, starts working out and stuff. The Pelicans trade him to whoever, and that's the end of it. He's done in New Orleans. Now he decided to play in the All Star game, so he left the arena, didn't plan on playing for the Pelicans, and then all of a sudden just comes out in the All Star game and plays. And everyone's like, what the hell? What is, like, okay, obviously the injury's not that bad. Now the Pelicans can't, the Pelicans can't sit him. So the the NBA has a very weird rule, not weird rule, it's, it's very justifiable, but it's a, an obscure rule where you're not allowed to bench players for rest. All-star cap. So you can't, Everyone comes to see the New Orleans Pelicans for Anthony Davis, right? It's There's no doubt about it. They don't come for anybody else. They come to see Anthony Davis. So you, the Pelicans, if they just sit Anthony Davis without him actually being injured, so it's just for rest, quote-unquote rest, if you sit him for several games in a row, you get fined by the league. Happened to Popovich all the time. Sometimes he would just sit Tim Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker and Danny Green, all four of them. The entire and Kawhi Leonard, the entire starting lineup, he would sit them. And the league would find him. Now the Pelicans apparently want to open a discussion about that rule. Because worst case scenario for Anthony Davis and for the Pelicans is he plays out the rest of the year and he gets hurt. And then you're you have an an injured superstar. God forbid it's a serious injury you have less and less teams that are going to offer big-time draft picks and players, big-time packages for this guy because now he's injured. So best-case scenario, you would just want to let him sit out, ride out the rest of the season, tank a little bit, get a better draft pick for yourself, and then trade Anthony Davis for a fat package in the offseason. Now that whole thing's kind of in jeopardy if he has to play. Um, I guess a way around it would be to just limit his minutes, just half his minutes. He's probably playing like 38, 37 minutes a game. Make him play 25. I, I don't know if that would be better or worse, but I'm thinking just from a sheer strategical standpoint for the Pelicans as far as their his future or their future when they tried to trade him. The best option would be to just limit his minutes if you can't bench him entirely. Now, speaking of the All-Star game and All-Star weekend, it was it was pretty interesting. Uh, the, dunk, the dunk contest was lackluster as a whole, but there were some cool moments. And so I picked, let's see, I picked De'Aaron Fox for the skill challenge. He lost. I picked... <laughs> I picked Danny Green for the three-point contest. He lost, but he did perform very well. And then I picked Miles Bridges for the dunk contest, and he lost. Had I known Himadou Diallo was from Queens, New York, I would have picked him. I did not know that until after I had made my Miles Bridges choice. So, with the, 
the the skills challenge, I was so mad because De'Aaron Fox went up, went up against Trey Young, and he lost because Trey Young hit both of their shots went at the same time, the ending three point shot, but Trey Young's went in before, and it's such BS because De'Aaron Fox blew Trey Young out of the water, and then they just won on the three point shot. So Trey Young missed all three of his chest passes, missed all of them. It's so dumb. So, so dumb, man. And they, <laughs> Kyle Kuzma, when he went, he just abused the system. He's like, I'm not going to be able to make any of these chess passes. So he just rapid fired. Boom, boom, boom. Missed all of them and sprinted down the court the other way to try and win. This, they need to fix the skills competition because it used to be cool. It used to be really cool. I, I liked it. I didn't. I like it better where they just time themselves. It makes it so much more competitive. Now it's it's like total BS, right? It is t- it's total BS because you race against each other, and you can miss all your passes. And if the other guy isn't a great three point shooter, you can just come down the other end, shoot a three, and win. That's what happened with Jason Tatum. He was behind the entire time and just chucked up a three, banked it in. And he beat Trey Young, thank God. But, like, De'Aaron Fox should have won that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was cool when each guy went. I know they want to have, they did it where it's 1v1 because they want to have more guys competing. And now, you know, big men do it also. So if it was just about time, the big men would lose because they're just slower than guys like De'Aaron Fox. But it was more competitive when it was a smaller field and you had just guys go one at a time to do the drills and they clock their time and then that was the time to beat. I like that way more. The three-point contest, I picked Danny Green, and he actually came in fourth. So the top three scores advanced. They had like 10 guys competing, which was crazy. But the top three scores advanced. He came in fourth. He had 23. The top three scores were Curry with 27, uh, Buddy Heald with 26, and Joe Harris with 25. Danny Green had 23. He came in fourth. Pretty good performance. Pretty good performance. I was happy for my guy. He did very well. Uh, and then... Buddy Heald kind of choked in the finals. He only had like 17 points. Joe Harris had, uh, tw- I think he had 28 points. And then Steph Curry came out firing, made his first 10 shots. And then somehow, he made his first 10 shots in the final round and then somehow didn't win. He just, he fell short. The next two racks barely made any shots. And then the, the money ball rack just wasn't enough. To uh, to get him there, and then Joe Harris. So Joe Harris ended up winning, which is great. You know the Brooklyn Nets having a hell of a year. Joe Harris is having a great year, and uh, it was cool to see him win that and get some recognition. The dunk contest, eh? Like I said, there were some moments. Uh, Himadu Diallo jumped over Shaquille O'Neal and put his forearm. He pulled a Vince Carter, where Vince Carter jumped and put his forearm. His entire forearm inside the basket, inside the cylinder. Diallo did that while jumping over Shaq. So that was a really cool moment. Dennis Smith Jr. got a lob from J. Cole and jumped over him and literally took flight. He was almost like parallel to the ground 
and threw it into the basket. That was sick. And then <laughs> while wearing while wearing J. Cole's high school basketball jersey. And then J. Cole tried to dunk it and just missed. He was in, you know, sweats and a sweatshirt and he didn't stretch, but I know he can dunk because he was in the All-Star Celebrity game a few years ago and he got an alley-oop from Kevin Hart and slammed it down. So that was pretty cool. So he could definitely dunk, but no stretching, no nothing. Just tried to go up and dunk it. Just missed. Just missed. But there is a still frame shot of him at the basket and it looks like he he was going to – it looks like he's going to make the dunk. So, you, you know, you like to think. Also, of course, you know, J. Cole – he had his halftime performance at the All-Star Game uh, where he did a, his verse from A Lot with 21 Savage. So he gave him a shout-out because 21's locked up by ice right now because apparently he's British. That was crazy news in and of itself. But... So J. Cole, halftime performance, and he gets the lob to Dennis Smith Jr. Of course, in that song, A Lot, he shouts out um, 6 9 who's in jail. R.I.P. 6-9. He's not actually dead. And Markel Fultz and Dennis Smith Jr. So it was cool to have Dennis Smith Jr. Because J. Cole shouted shouted him out on a song. So he had him come in and lob it up to him in a dunk contest. All comes full circle. It's pretty cool. John Collins probably had the the most embarrassing dunk of the night. He brought out like the Flightman, whatever. Because apparently North Carolina is the city where uh, the... I guess the Wright brothers made their their airplane and took flight, and they had like a uh, these f- f- flight guys, whatever, in like the leather hats and goggles and stuff with the scarfs. Uh, the airmen come out and just like pose, whatever, and they brought out like a replica of a plane, of like the the Wright brothers' plane, and John Collins tried to jump over it, but in the process. He jumped over it and did like a windmill, which was cool, but in the process, he kicked over two parts of the plane and like just kicked them off with his legs because he's so huge. He's like 6'11". That's why you don't pick big men in the dunk contest. So he jumped over it, but he kicked off two parts of the plane, so it made it look so stupid. And then Miles Bridges had one dunk where he was at the free throw line and tried to throw it off the backboard, jump, put it in between his legs, and dunk it so he took one step and tried to do that so it was pretty much just a strict vertical alley-oop and he didn't get it on the first few tries and then he just kept trying to do it and do it and do it and it didn't work out so that stunk uh I know Miles Bridges is a high flyer but poor choice on that to try and just do a straight vertical dunk because those are very difficult and not as cool as dunks where you get running start which is why Dennis Smith Jr. was pretty cool to watch and uh Diallo was also very cool to watch he's He's only a couple inches bigger than Dennis Smith Jr., but he's very long, so he looks taller. I don't know. But Diallo was asked, would he do the dunk dunk contest next year with Zion Williamson? And apparently they had a dunk contest in high school where they went up against each other. So he said, yeah, that would be awesome. So let's go. Zion Williamson in the dunk contest next year. If he doesn't do it, I'm going to jump off a bridge. I will be so disappointed if Zion Williamson doesn't do the dunk contest next year. That would suck. Now, with the All-Star game, this is the video I wanted to talk about. There's 
I don't know how true it is, but there is a video of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in like some type of tunnel or whatever, uh, back area, stage area, and they're talking. And Kyrie's talk, you see Kyrie talking, holds up the number two, and he's just talking to Kevin Durant and like shaking his hand at him. And apparently, this guy dubs it over, like raises the volume, dubs it over, and apparently, according to this video, what Kyrie's saying is two max spots. It's time. It's time. Talking about the Knicks, one would think. So a little conspiracy with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. We'll see. Maybe, 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 maybe they come to New York together. But that's all just speculation. Now, speaking of the Knicks, an even bigger thing, UNC and Duke tonight. Very exciting game. Uh, Probably one of the most anticipated games of the year. You know, early in the year, there was uh, Duke and Gonzaga. Where Gonzaga beat Duke with one of that's one of their two losses. Duke's other losses to Syracuse, shockingly. But now you have UNC and Duke. Uh, of course, UNC has a very highly touted prospect in Nasir Little, who's projected to go in the top ten of the draft. But of course, the top three of the top four picks of the draft are projected to be Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish has had the most, I would say, the most shaky season of the th- of the big three for Duke, just because he's like the third option. So you have Zion Williamson, who's his highlight factory. You have R.J. Barrett, who kind of tried to tries to do it all, and people love his game and stuff like that. And then you have Cam Reddish, who isn't as he doesn't seem to be as vocal. He seems to be a little bit quiet. If he doesn't get involved in the offense early, we have definitely seen games. There have been multiple games this year with Duke where Cam Reddish kind kind of moves back. He uh he gets shy. He kind of gets under his own skin pretty much and just he he she shies away from those big moments. With that being said, the comeback win against Louisville if it weren't for Cam Reddish, they would have lost by 20. Cam Reddish went absolutely off against Louisville to help Duke complete their, I think it was 26-point comeback, the largest comeback in Duke history. And it was all because of Cam Reddish's shooting ability. And, of course, the absolutely breathtaking and life-ending defense that Duke decided to press Louisville with. Louisville got so scared, not a single person on their court, on their bench, no one wanted to handle the basketball because Duke was hounding them. Trey Jones, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, locked down defense, man. They had a bunch of steals, a bunch of shot contests. I mean, they it was picture, it was beautiful to watch. And they kept it going for... Nine minutes. Nine straight minutes. With nine minutes to go in the game, they were down 26 points. And for the last nine minutes, they played full court, stifling defense. It was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And then Cam Reddish just went off and launching bombs from three. And that is the Cam Reddish that you want night in and night out. A sharp, He is the by far the best shooter on that team. So you want that you want that sharpshooter and that guy who isn't afraid to let it fly and not the guy who if he misses if he starts out one for six, we've seen him go 
one for six, one for seven, one for eight in a game, and then he just he just kind of disappears. And we've seen Coach K even bench him in crunch time minutes. I mean, it was very, very early in the season, but it happened against Gonzaga in the uh, Jim Maui tournament. Happened against Gonzaga. Cam Reddish started like one of eight shooting, and crunch time came down. Final four minutes, the game was closed. Cam Reddish was nowhere to be seen. He was on the bench. Now, that happened. It hasn't happened to such a, a drastic degree as in that game, but it has happened in this year where he kind of disappears in the offense led by Zion and R.J. Barrett. Regardless, he's going to be a top four pick because he has that potential, and if you put him with a good enough coach and in the right system to allow him to shine, I mean, whoever drafts him, he's most likely going to become the centerpiece of that team. I think most people would agree with that. Cam Reddish will become, unless he goes to, you know, maybe like the Suns or something if they decide to draft him. But if I'm, if you're the Suns, you're looking for John Morant because you need a point guard. <laughs> now that being said, Duke UNC. I mentioned this year a little. Obviously, the Duke Duke has you know their big three plus Trey Jones. Uh, this game's gonna be it's it's a definitely a must watch matchup. Definitely a must watch. I know Duke has already gone and both even UNC and Duke they both they played Virginia. Virginia's not a fun team to watch mostly because they're just a, a big defensive team and they're very slow. They're not fast paced, so a lot of people don't like walking watching Virginia even though they are very very good. So you had Kentucky Tennessee the other night. Now you got UNC Duke. Tonight at 9 o'clock, definitely a must-watch game. Uh, pray for Zion to go to the Knicks. Pray for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to go to the Knicks. We would love to see it. So that'll wrap it up for this week. So actually, before we wrap it up, quick tidbit, not doing a movie review, but the documentary, Abducted in Plain Sight, I, I, I watched it the other day because so many people were talking about how absolutely messed up it was. Uh, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like you could probably find a conspiracy theory on Reddit or something about how that's not real. There, I refuse to believe that people are that stupid. I don't care what decade it was. Just an absolutely ridiculous movie or documentary. I, it, it's hard to believe it's real. It really is. Anyway, that's that's all I had to say. I had to get that off my chest. So that'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all for tuning in once again. I'll talk to you all next week. Enjoy your weekend, everybody.